this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. I'm comfortably seated in a chair like a big adult boy. Yeah, hey. We're moving, moving on up. Moving on up. Did we both get there at the same time? Because it seems like it. Yeah. God, that's huh. so good. I love us. I chose to sing it, so it took me a little longer to get it out. And you did it in, I would say, a baritone <laughs> register uh-huh. that really worked on you, I thought. I like to do a low voice because I cannot do a high voice. Yeah. Um, yes, yesterday, not yesterday, last episode, I was seated on the floor and it did bring, I would say, a curious energy <laughs> to the proceedings. I felt like I was in college. Yeah, right? Like we're hanging out. There's a Doobie lava lamp. Jan and <laughs> Stoner Steve and we're just passing the hookah around uh, and, uh, you know, just, just scatting about um, whatever it was that I talked about last week. Gun to my head, couldn't tell you. <laughs> but now I'm in a chair. Yeah, you're like a business guy. Look at me in my business shorts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wearing my business shorts and my business hinterlands bar t-shirt <laughs> that I would wear to any bank or business facility. Can I say something about you? Okay. <laughs> Griffin won't leave the house in in like a, a pajama short. I don't think that that's so weird. I See, I feel like, I don't know. I I personally don't care. Um, for me, I guess it comes down to like if you were an athletic man, it would not be unusual for you to leave the the house in what could be a pajama short. Yeah, but there's a difference. If I see somebody in athletic wear and they're you know um you know d- d- doing a jog, oh, okay, I see. What that's you're one thing. But if they are at a children's museum with their five year old. <laughs> That feels less great to me. So you 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 feel like it's possible that somebody would lean over to their friend and be like, "See that man? He's not jogging." <laughs> There's also something about, and I can't define this exactly, so please don't ask me to. But it feels a little bit more acceptable to be out in public with a more rigid fabric covering your genitalia. Okay, okay. I mean, I can't argue with. Do that. you want me to? Okay, cool. I, I thought I, I thought you could get on. You seem like the kind of person who could get on board with that. I mean. You know, your body, your choice. I'm not going to get in there. Yeah. You're not. Just kidding. <laughs> this is a family show. Um, this is a show where we talk about things we like, things that are good, things we're into. And uh, I mean, things are really coming together in this office. It's almost identical to how it was the last yeah, time we I recorded, but I have the chair The difference now. is you have a chair. Did you have this printer last week? No. I had a bum printer that I did buy from the Target <laughs> that ended up being somebody Somebody's had cut returned. a box open and returned a different printer inside <laughs> of it that then stained my fucking carpet with ink for the second time in one week. Our beautiful brand new carpets. Yeah, but that's not that's not wonderful. So this is this is not a brother printer, and I felt a little disloyal. I think when if I they saw... had a brother printer, I, 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 I'm hugely loyal to the brother brand. But I guess they didn't at this have point. it. Didn't have it. Mm. The selection was limited. We live we live near a Target, but it's not. It's a miniature Target. It's not one of the good Targets. It does have groceries, which I definitely we appreciate. We do like that, but like they don't have shoes, for example. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of sort of summarizing <laughs> it. Um, hey, do you have a small wonder that you can talk to me about, please? Ooh, I mean, I'm just gonna say, and I know that I've talked about playgrounds on this show, but DC has my lord an abundant amount of playgrounds yeah and they're all really good yeah like our experience in the past is that there are good playgrounds and then there are not so good playgrounds uh you know either the equipment is really old or they like don't have a swing 
Uh, but these playgrounds all look Top like of the line. Like they were built in the past like five years. They all look shiny and, and they have all the new bells and whistles and that like springy turf that I like so I much. I love that springy turf. A kid could take a header from 20 feet <laughs> and bounce right off. Yeah, so no I'm loving that. Done. That That is great for us because a lot of times... You know, like it's hard to hype up a museum to our son. Yes. But a playground, he almost always will get into. Yeah, sure. I had something, but I lost it. I'm oh, sorry. I'm going to say when you uh, do kickstart something on Kickstarter or uh, any other sort of crowdfunding website, and then you immediately forget about it until like two and a half years later when it finally gets delivered to your door. And it's like a little, it's almost like a time capsule. It's like, oh, what? I guess I did. I yeah. guess I did support that project a very long time ago. Uh, I guess I did support this little hacker handheld that I don't know why. I'm not a hacker. <laughs> I don't know why I did it. I guess it was it was not that expensive, but then it just shows up my door. I'm like, what the fuck is this As thing? I say, you told me what it was, and I immediately forgot. Well, the thing that came yesterday is a gaming handheld thing that I purchased oh, okay. so long ago. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's always exciting. I guess it's just exciting to get things in the mail that you forgot you ordered. I like to pre-order like stuff. I feel that way about a subscription service. Interesting. Like time will pass and I have no idea how long it has been. And then a box will arrive and I'm like, oh yeah, here it is. Delightful. Yeah. Yeah. I go first this week. I'm going to talk about my friend and yours, Pepperoni. This, I would be curious if you did any research to figure out why it has such close ties to West Virginia. Yeah, it does have them, and I will tell them. Of course I looked that up. Okay, good. You think I'm going to miss a chance to talk about my beautiful home state? No way, man. Uh, (laughs) Here's something I didn't know. Salami is the big Venn diagram circle. Imagine a big salami, and then pepperoni, a small pepperoni fits inside of it. Oh, really? So a pepperoni is a kind of salami? Yeah, so salami is sort of, uh, if I'm not mistaken, like what most sort of Italian cased composite sausages uh, fall under. <laughs> so everything that you get like underneath that is 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 a salami. So pepperoni is a is a small salami. I never realized how sonically salami. pleasing pepperoni was until pepperoni. we started saying it over and over again. Yeah, there's it's a great word to <laughs> say out loud. Uh, I could do a whole segment on salami because we have had it in the house for a while now. Oh, I love and it. is there anything more except the way you said that was so like <laughs> It, it was almost it was almost like um like erotically charged. <laughs> like, oh, I love it. It's nothing's more exciting than like oh, I got to make a sandwich. What am I going to put on a ham, turkey? For no. years and, then and you years, little... I just would default to turkey, and I kind of forgot. Like you know what? I can I can buy other meats. <laughs> yep, I got those little sandwich rounds, those little sandwich yeah. things that, and the salami is the exact size of it. And so it's just, it's perfect in oh, every way. Oh, that's fun. Anyway, pepperoni's the star of this show um, because it, it has filled an important part of uh, of my life. It is, I think, maybe the best pizza topping, the most sort of like archetypical, most like iconic pizza topping. Oh, yeah, like if you see it in a commercial, you're like, I, w- I would eat that. When you're eating a little, like a gooey, cheesy pie and then you get that just like little spicy visitor this little spicy friend that comes along for the adventure. That's great. Americans consume around 250 million pounds of pepperoni each year. I'd imagine pizza topping pepperoni makes up 
a majority of that because uh, we do order it on 36% of uh, pizzas produced nationally. <laughs> okay. I should have asked you what you thought the percentage was because I would have... 36% Does that seem sounds, low? It seems perfect to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I bet I could have guessed it to the number if I had really thought about it because I think I've had it on 36% of the pizzas I've had in my life. Anyway, it makes a fine sandwich meat too. I think I had it on... Every sandwich I ate in middle school. See, this blows my mind. My whole life, pepperoni was exclusively a pizza topping. No, it's a, you. That's you're thinking inside the box. I I I have made many a pizza in our household as a couple. Yeah, and there's always pepperoni left over because they put way too much for one pizza in a bag. Yeah, and then I would just look at Griffin as he put pepperoni on his sandwiches. Like, what is happening? It's lunch meat. It's a spicy deli meat. I don't know what you want me to say. I'm not going to apologize for my behavior. I guess it's just the uncooked thing. The uncooked thing is confusing to me because I've only like... It's cured. I've only eaten it cooked. It's cured. It's fine. There's no botulism. It's got nitrates and nitrites. Listeners, write in and let me know if in your region you also eat pepperoni on sandwiches. Okay, listen, we got to get to... Well, first of all, we're going to talk about the pepperoni roll. But okay, first okay. I do want to say that in Nova Scotia, they eat fried pepperoni as like a bar snack and with like a honey mustard dipping sauce. I'd... I'd oh, put, I mean, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, pepperoni roll is a, a, a like an iconic West Virginia thing. It is probably the like food that West Virginia is most known for. Um and even then, I don't know that it's like so widely. I don't know that that is common knowledge. Yeah, no, I didn't know it. Like it wasn't like I associated that with West Virginia at all. Yeah, so it was uh, the pepperoni roll was invented in in West Virginia in the twenties, basically as like minor food, food for minor, like digging miners, not like young people, uh, because it didn't need to be refrigerated and it had so much protein that you could turn into raw digging power will you explain what it is a pepperoni roll is a i always assumed it was like a hot pocket like i figured it was like a pizza in in a roll it's just pepperoni but it's just pepperoni it's just pepperoni inside of a roll there's no pizza sauce or cheese or anything like that uh it's not hot pocket Uh, it is hot pocket in form not in not in flavor it is like a (laughs) a softer chewier baked bread uh, that is just chock-a-block. Not chock-a-block. There is a, I would say in most pepperoni rolls, a conservative amount of pepperoni. Because it's like, you don't need a lot. It, it, it asserts itself with only a few beautiful little medallions. <laughs> um, but what's good is you, you, you warm it up, and when you warm it up, the pepperoni, like, sweats off, and it, like, oh. fills the bread with, like, kind of spicy oil. It's... I would kill for one, right? Right now. And I'm betting in DC we probably could source We're some close, yeah. some ethically sourced pepperoni. <laughs> I want to tell this quick fun sidebar cuz this is a story I did not know about. Uh so pepperoni rolls invented in West Virginia in the 20s became like a very very popular thing sold in bakeries. Uh so the there was a point where uh, the like Department of Agriculture and like food safety organizations, uh, were torn about the pepperoni roll because it is cured meat inside of like an encased 
thing. And so it had different rules about it than like just a normal sandwich sold at a bakery or whatever would. And so they had to try and impose like restrictions on bakeries that sold pepperoni rolls for food safety reasons. Uh, and so um, the United States Department of Agriculture proposed reclassify. I'm reading this from Wikipedia. Uh, proposed reclassifying bakeries that manufactured the rolls as meat processing plants, thus subjecting them to daily inspections for hygiene. Whoa! The bakery owner said that meeting the new regulations would increase costs so much that producing pepperoni rolls would no longer be profitable to them. The United States Department of Agriculture suggested that the bakeries cut them in half and rename them pepperoni sandwiches because, <laughs> oh, because cut sandwiches are not subject to the additional hygiene regulations, but the bakeries, the bakeries, and let me editorialize here, wisely refused, saying customers would not buy pepperoni rolls cut in half. That's already pretty wild, right? Jay Rockefeller, U.S. Senator for West Virginia, <laughs> intervened and met with Secretary of Agriculture Richard Ling. After the meeting, Secretary Ling issued a special exemption to bakeries producing pepperoni rolls. Wow, I wonder how that meeting went. Your tax dollars at work. That would be a great drunk history. If 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 that show still exists, that would be great. That would be great. Just to talk about that meeting where they were like, hey, 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 hey. hey. <laughs> slams, one, is- slams one down on the table. Eat this. <laughs> Now cut it in half. It's not the same, is it? <laughs> um, so I also didn't realize that pepperoni actually originated in the United States uh, in like the 1910s. It was uh, a creation of like Italian-American deli meat scientists yeah. who wanted to recreate like Southern Italian, like spicy salamis, like your soppressadas, if you will. Yeah, because uh, if you think about like, like Italy, I think like prosciutto. I don't yeah. think pepperoni. Uh, well, there's, there's, uh, what is the other one? Cap, Capricola? Cap- I can never yeah. remember, but there's like, there are things that taste like pepperoni from, from Italy, but pepperoni was, uh, a, a, an invention of Italian Americans because they didn't have access to the same ingredients. So it was yeah. like, so they use paprika and like chili powder and other things that are not sort of in traditional spicy salamis. Uh, it's also cured with nitrites that give it that red color that is like why it is red is because of how it is is cured and also the name pepperoni is borrowed from uh the italian word uh pepperoncino which means spicy peppers yeah okay fun it makes fun uh i love pepperoni i think it's a great we have some downstairs right now you know that right yeah i'll probably continue my streak of eating uh, italian meat sandwiches for lunch um because i guess that's i'm really discovering who dc griffin is Uh uh-huh He's more, I would say, active, and um, he loves Italian meat sandwiches <laughs> uh-huh, in a uh-huh. way that uh, I guess Texas Griffin just didn't didn't really understand. Yeah, well, I mean, in Texas, right? It's all it's all about barbecue, you know. Fair, and, yes. And so it wasn't it wasn't the most welcoming environment, and for maybe, an Italian meat, maybe sort of expert, even hostile. Like to, yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Although God, their grocery stores were better. I know. Oh, that was going to be my small wonder. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've probably talked about it before. We Maybe we just, okay, we've only done Wegmans. And uh, no, I'm sure there's people. We've done giant up. food. We've had, we've t- had some giant food? Okay. Yeah. Well, let's just say the Wegmans chips and salsa, perhaps unsurprisingly, leaves a great deal <laughs> to be desired compared to the HEB uh, selections that are available. But uh, from what I understand, you can import 
the HEB goods, which what we I, may have to start. What doing. I was going to say is my small wonder is like the sheer number of people we have met that have connections to Texas here. Yeah, and true. I, f- I feel confident saying that in each conversation, we could very comfortably a lot of talk our, about HEB. A lot of our neighbors are, are, are Texas uh, yeah. uh, expats. I, I, I bet they know where we can get some HEB. I bet you they know you, that you there's talk a about this like this is this is a thing that you can like reach out to grocery stores in other states and like just be like Chinese uh, slyly you get, get. We'll go to Wegmans and be like, hey, listen, your chips, your tortilla chips aren't very good, my friend. And they'll be like, we know, we know. Here, we'll take you in the back room <laughs> where we sell HEB with a ghost of HE butts. <laughs> hey, can I steal you away? Yes. Okay. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different (laughs) now? It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, There's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis website design or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain Hi everyone, I'm Anna McLeod. And I'm Alexis B. Preston. And we host a show called Comfort Creatures, the show for every animal lover, be it a creature of scales, six legs, fur, feathers, or fiction. 
Comfort Creatures is a show for people who prefer their friends to have paws instead of hands. Unless they are raccoon hands, that is okay. That is absolutely okay, yeah. Yes. Every Thursday, we will be talking to guests about their pets, learning about pets in history, art, and even fiction. Plus, we'll discover differences between pet ownership across the pond. It's going to be a hoot on Maximum Fun. Hi, everybody. My name is Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Dr. Sydney McElroy. That, that is true. It's important in this context because we host a medical history podcast called Sawbones. Oh, I thought we were going to. We should have worked on that. Sawbones. Sawbones isn't afraid to ask the hard-hitting questions. Like, are vaccines as safe and reliable as they want us to believe? Yes. Do I have to get a flu shot? Yes. Uh, okay. Is science a miracle? No. We have a lot of great history for you and a lot of laughs. And sometimes the history is so bad that there's no laughs. But you'll learn something. You'll feel something. And it's always Sawbones. That's right. Every week on MaximumFun.org. Do you want to hear my, my thing this week? Oh, yeah. So I was actually encouraged uh, by a listener. I tweeted, we were running late this week. And yeah. whenever we do that, I like to tweet a little like, hey, guys, we know we're late. I'm yeah. sorry. We have stuff. Uh, and somebody was like, I'm dying for Poetry Corner. So, hey, guess what? Oh, wow. Guess where we're going? It makes Poetry Corner sound like it's off a cliff. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking of it more like it was ascending into heaven. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah. See, that's glasses half full. I would love to hear like a nice tenor soprano version of Toss Salad and Scrambled Eggs. Next live show. Oh. What? I thought you were going to talk about your Poetry Corner theme and not <laughs> for the Frasier theme. I was saying it's next, the same. Next live show. It's the same song. In My Wildest Dream. Next live show. I'll pull out a standing bass. And... No, we have like a little, like a quartet, like a little oh, uh, barbershop come out and do our Poetry Corner theme for us. And not like a jazz trio or something? No, that could produce... I want okay. a bunch of people standing around a microphone going boom, 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 in different like And then harmonies. do we have them bust out like the Drew Carey show theme song <laughs> and Growing Pains and like some other... Some I mean, it classics. would make sense, right, if we're going to pay for a, a group to come to not have them perform for three seconds and then send them off the stage. I should be clear when I said the Drew Carey Show theme song, I did mean Moon Over Parma and not Cleveland Rocks by Presidents of the United States of America. I know there were going to be a lot of people in the audience who were confused by when I said that. How did you know the name? Well, first of all, I love Presidents of the United States of America, the band, not the dudes. And that was their song? Cleveland Rocks was their song. Moon over, oh. Moon over Parma, I think. I, is yeah, that's what I'm talking about. How did you know that Moon over uh, Parma? Because it starts with Moon over Parma, bring my love to me tonight. I used to watch the Drew Carey show quite a bit. Oh. and Which I'm just now realizing. <laughs> <laughs> Similar to how I had a sort of Dharma and Greg awakening during that special episode. <laughs> like, wait, I used to watch this show. We have delayed this poetry corner. for. Okay, I'm sorry. The, the poet I would like to speak about this week is Jane Hirschfield. I know that name. Oh, yeah? I mean, she's still kicking around, making the poems. Yeah. Uh, she is kind of, I mean, she's not a member of what is often called the Zen poets, but she did study Zen Buddhism at the San Francisco Zen Center for several years. Okay. So she is kind of associated with them. Um, 
I don't know if that's why you would it know her. nothing to me. <laughs> if she had been known as one of the Zen poets, do you think I would have been like, oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes in an English literature class, you study the different movements in poetry. Okay. Did you ever do that? I never took an English literature class. So. Shut up. I don't think I'm I did. I'm just finding this out. I mean, I took, okay, I took. What uh, did you, what did you take? I mean, I know you were journalism, but like, didn't you didn't take like a, I had a let's we- read books and talk about them class? So I had a West Virginia literature class where we talked about like poetry and books written by like West Virginia authors and, in and college? poets in college. Yeah. Uh, I don't think. Oh, man. I don't think I ever had to read <laughs> Period. <a> book <laughs> in college. I had to do like a ton of science and history and math and foreign language and like all that stuff was part of what they called the Marshall Plan, but I, I don't think- This is alarming to me. <laughs> I mean, I read books. I just thought it's like part of the core, you know, like these classes everybody takes when they go to a okay, state school. Please understand though, you went to school for reading for like seven years. <laughs> So true. maybe your baseline is a little bit intense. That's true. I guess it's it's not like you were an accounting major where you you had to take all of these like math courses. Like I just assume you would think I was. You had a lot of room in there. I for, had to take an econ class. Well, yeah, part. I did too when I thought I was going to be a journalism major. Oh yeah. All right. Anyway, we are all we over the dial, place, and we are doing Jane dirty right now. <laughs> so the exciting thing about Jane Hirschfeld is that she she's still she's still out there like producing books all the time. A lot of these poets who kind of made a name for themselves like decades ago have yeah. kind of like settled into teaching and have not continued to release. She had a book called Ledger come out in 2020. Like she is she is up in the biz every day. Every day. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> Every day she releases a new book of poetry. <laughs> um, I thought I thought this was a nice so I I'm at poets.org and they a lot of times we'll have different poets talk about the poet that they are featuring. And so this is Rosanna Warren who said, Hirschfield has elaborated a sensuously philosophical art that imposes a pause in our fast forward habits of mind. Her poems appear simple and are not. Her language in its cleanliness and transparency poses riddles of a quietly metaphysical nature. Ooh, boy. I cannot wait to I hear this I thought it was like poem. a really succinct, like nice introduction yeah, to her. Yeah, I'm intrigued. Um, her work has been selected for seven editions of Best American Poetry. My Lord. So I don't know if you've, if you, I guess you're probably not familiar, but every year Best American Poetry comes out. I know it's it, an annual thing. So seven editions of yeah, it represents a uh-huh. great deal of, of poetry. She has taught at Stanford, at University of San Francisco, at Duke University, at the University of Alaska, at the University of Virginia, at the University of Cincinnati. Uh, she's was she run out of town <laughs> on a rail in all of those cities? That's so many schools to teach. At. This is what I was to say. So a lot of these universities will have like a poet in res- residence or a visiting poet okay. program, and so you can kind of make your living. Hopping she was around. not tenured necessarily, and then just broke out like here's the dark poetry from the Necronomicon, and they're like, <laughs> you got to get out of here. We don't do that stuff here at Duke. Uh, yeah, so she's, she's just, I mean, and this is, this is how poets make their living, right? This is why it's so hard to get a book out is that you have to teach and you can hop around chasing fellowships and that's exactly what she's done. And she's continued to publish, which I think is, is pretty impressive. I, I read this interview with her where she talks about her most recent book ledger, uh, that came out 
on March 10th, 2020, which she refers to as the day that everything, the day that everything after was canceled. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't even imagine that's happened to a lot of writers. Like their book comes out right at the beginning of the pandemic and they have this whole tour planned and everything yeah. is canceled indefinitely. Yeah. I can't imagine what that's like. Uh, but the poem I am going to read is not from her most recent book. Golden Oldie. Okay, it is from 2013, and the poem is called My Skeleton. Whoa, hold on. You got to tell me, is this going to be a scary one? It's not spooky. Uh, all right. Did you want to, I can, here, I, I promise I will bring a spooky poem. I don't want it. I don't I, want a night as, of skeleton nightmares. As we get closer to Halloween. No, what? oh, that would be cool, actually. Right? Yeah. I love theme. He that. did the mash. <laughs> <laughs> It's a call and response poem. Uh, Griffin, you do your part. My skeleton. My skeleton, you who once ached with your growing larger are now each year imperceptibly smaller, lighter, absorbed by your own concentration. When I danced, you danced. When you broke, I. And so it was lying down, walking, climbing the tiring stairs, your jaws, my bread, Someday you, what is left of you, will be flensed of this marriage. Angular wrist bones arthritis, cracked harp of ribcage, blunt of heel, open bowl of skull. Twin platters of pelvis, each of you will leave me behind, at last serene. What did I know of your days, your nights, I who held you all my life inside my hands and thought they were empty? You who held me all my life inside your hands as a new mother holds her unblanketed child, not thinking at all. That was a little spooky. It is a little spooky, I guess. I loved it. it and it was very uh, a metaphysical riddle. I will, I will concede that. But also <laughs> a little spooky. I appreciate, you know, there's there's all this this messaging now about having gratitude for your body, you know, mm-hmm. like not focusing as much on on the shape or size, but just the fact that your body allows you to move around and do the things you want to do all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like that poem really kind of reminds you like, hey, you have you have all these bones in your body. They're helping you like do your thing. And, you know, it, it's like this other part of you that that meets your needs and and will continue to exist long after you are gone you know i think that's interesting for sure I nice think, i like I, that i i genuinely loved that it did remind me of this clip and it's from like a show like kids say the darndest things where they're interviewing a child <laughs> and they say to him like where do you see where do you think you're going to be uh or what do you think you're going to look like in 50 years and the this boy just responded Old bones in a grave. <laughs> wow. Beautiful. It's probably not true, I would hope, but wow. That's my poetry. <laughs> this thing this kid said on television. She said in an interview, she likes, she really likes the relationship of like science to poetry. And so she likes to like include little science facts where she can. And she talks about when you do get older, that's, that's what happens. Your bones like get absorbed into your body. Beautiful. I know. I love it. I've got raw bone power coursing through <laughs> every part of me now. And the name of this show is now Bone Power. Thanks for listening to Bone Power. We hope you've had a good time. Thanks to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, When He Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. And thank, thank you to the other Rachel who edits this show and is very patient with us when we are running late. Yeah. And for most likely titling this episode Bone Power. 
Yeah, that's it's some choice names uh, that Rachel chooses from the the the, the work, which uh, I I certainly appreciate. Uh, thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Go to maximumfun.org. Check out all the great shows there. You're gonna have a hoot and a half exploring that that uh, wild wilderness. Hey, have you listened to Bubble? How about that? Whoa! Hey, you listened to Bubble, right? A Is lot it- has died down about Bubble, but then uh, I think. It's very, I mean, it's timeless, you know? It's timeless. It's great. Yeah. You just listen to it front to back. It's, 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 uh, you'll, you'll chew right through it and have a great, a great time doing so. I, I, I we, we have stuff at McElroyMerch.com. We have some shows coming up that you can find links to at bit.ly slash Tours. We just announced some new ones in Denver and San Jose at the end of September. So we're, if you live there, and I know that you probably live in San Jose. Um, why don't you why don't you come out and see us? Yeah, okay. And we'll have ourselves a great time. Uh and yeah, I guess I guess that's it. We hope you're doing well. Yeah. Uh it's it's a it's obviously a weird time. Uh, but I, I feel like uh I don't know. I feel like I'm normalizing a little bit. And okay. I think it might just be the chair that I'm Yeah, the new how did you pick this new chair, by the way? I well I climbed the mountain that the chair man sits atop and you have to visit him and he like measures your back and i was worried this was a biblical reference that i was just totally missing i climbed the mountain and <laughs> god gave me a stool and then it, it did metamorphosize into a chair uh-huh. uh you know i was in the cave i had the stool i stepped outside i saw the face of god in the clouds and then the chair the stool turned into a chair and uh took and it that's, home, that's and what, the lumbar support okay. is out of sight <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.